This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Thank you for utterance. Thank you for unction. Thank you for grace and anointing to minister your word. Thank you for the supply of your spirits. All praise to your name. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout a louder amen. And let's say the court of heaven and the priest on earth. <laughs> so they should combine it to the court of heaven and the priest on earth. It should just be like that. Hallelujah. Remember that we've been talking about prayers, right? And I will be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort first of all that supplication, intercession, prayers, and giving of thanks will be made for all men. And we have talked extensively about the fact that prayer, that as people understand it, just making a request. But prayer is deeper than making a request. Prayer is much more deeper than that. And then we have talked at length about the fact that one of the fundamentals of prayer, one of the fundamental works of prayer is to build inner strength in you, ability to resist sin, ability to live a godly life. What you receive when you start praying is beyond God giving you our strength. It's beyond God giving you a wife or giving you a baby. It does that, okay, fine. But when you pray, that's why we spend hours in praying. Prayer helps you to overcome your Adamic nature. Prayer helps you to overcome your flesh. Jesus said, the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, the flesh lost it against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. The more you spend time in the place of prayer, the more you are able to subdue your flesh, and the more the spirit gains ascendancy over the flesh. We have said that, but then we go to something very crucial on Wednesday, because what we are talking about, the court of heaven, has to do with intercession, and it has to do with priests. So the first thing I want us to get before I ask us to sit down this morning, the Bible says, and we will look at that later, but let's start also from the end, He has made us kings and priests. Revelation chapter 1, He has made us kings and priests. And it's repeated again in Revelation chapter 5, He has made us kings and priests. Why are we kings? So we began to look at the first stuff, uh, that scripture that we started with, I think it's in... Uh, um, is it Jeremiah 22, 33 now, or Ezekiel 23? Okay, let's, let's read uh, where we started from on Wednesday. Wednesday was very serious, and I, I think we should start from there again. Ezekiel 22, 30. Let's read. They will read that one. And I sought for a man among them, among who, that he should make up the edge and stand in the gap for me, for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Ah! I sought for a man. And quickly, we look at two examples I will look at again. Just with dash there. To show how serious this matter can be. I got angry. And I was about to destroy them. And I was expecting one man. To just make... That means two things. Number one, I can destroy. Number two... A man can actually fall my hand. A man can stand and say no to my judgment. So we saw example in Moses. And we saw it in Exodus 32. 
and in Numbers 14. Two different stories. So Exodus 32. Let's read. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Yes, soldiers of the cross. Lift up his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory. Yes, every is and Christ is lost. Thank God you know it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people. Behold, it is a stiff naked people. Verse 10. Now therefore let me alone. <laughs> that my wrath my wax out against them. That I may consume them and I will make thee. Oh, what a leader. Moses was not a selfish man. Someone that would have been like, you will destroy them and make you a great nation. Fantastic. But Moses said, verse 11, And Moses besought the Lord his God, and he said, Why are you this angry? <laughs> Lord, this anger is too much. He said, Why is your rod waxed out against thy people, which you have brought out of Egypt with great power and with mighty hand? Verse 12, Wherefore the Egyptians will speak and say, For mischief did he bring you out? He said, can you imagine, we said this on Wednesday, Moses telling God to repent. A man, Moses said, <laughs> turn from this thy fierce wrath and repent. <laughs> like a man preaching to God. He said, repent of this evil. In other words, he was even accusing God of planning to do evil. He said, I am telling you, almighty God, you need to repent of this evil against thy people. Master Tim, remember Abraham. The Bible says, Whosoever uttereth his conversation aright shall see the salvation of the Lord. There is something about knowing what to say in the place of prayer. But we are getting to the place of Romans 8. That's why we are still going. That no matter how much you know, you still know not how to pray. That is why the Spirit will need to help you to intercede. Moses started telling God that what, will, what are you going to tell Abraham if you kill them? He's with you over there in heaven. And what would the Egyptians say? Ah! And God was listening. He said, remember you promised Abraham that you multiply his seed. Now you're about to kill them. Verse 14. And the Lord repented. Moses' gospel worked on God. When the Spirit of God said... Okay, I repent. <laughs> the Bible says, God repented of the evil which he thought to do to the people. That was when they worshipped the golden calf. Now, Numbers 14, verse 10. Look at the same thing. Now, a different story. These time around, spies were sent to the promised land in chapter 15. And they came back. Two of them said that we'll conquer the land. And ten said that no, we cannot conquer the land. And the glory of God showed up. Because as Caleb and Moses were saying that, don't be afraid. The people thought of stoning them. And the Bible said, the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the commission, and all of them fell before God. Verse 10. Verse 11, sorry. Next verse. And then, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people provoke me? So God can be provoked. How long will, will they fail to believe me? In spite of all the signs. Then, verse 12. Then he said to Moses again, I will smite them with pestilence, and disinherit them. And I will make them a greater nation and mightier than them. Number one, 
one of the lessons we can learn from there is that nobody is indispensable before God. He said, Moses, I can change the plan now and go to plan B. I can bury them right now and make you a great nation. Verse 13. And Moses said, Lord, then again he began to present the case again. What are you going to tell the Egyptians if we kill all of them? Verse 14. They will tell, they will say, because we were not able to bring them out outside. Verse 15. Now, if you kill these people as one man, and I think I spoke about this on Wednesday, God is so powerful that it will take him one second to kill all of them. Moses understood that God was not going to kill them one by one. He will kill all them as one man. <laughs> what a mighty God. <laughs> Thank God for New Testament anyway. <laughs> but we saw that side in New Testament. Say, as one man. And he said, verse 16. Because the Lord was not able to bring them in several things. I have a reason for reading this. I beseech thee, let your power, Lord, be great. According as thou hast spoken, say, this is what works in intercession. You can have your sins. The Lord is long-suffering, great of mercy, forgiving the iniquity and transgression, by no means clearing the guilt. Verse 19. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of the people, according to the greatness of your mercy. Verse 20. And the Lord said, I am pardoned. We will not, I will continue second service. Moses brought, now, give me Isaiah 43, 26. I want to show you what Moses did from Isaiah 43, 26. All we are saying, and we are going to get to Hebrews 7, 25. I'm talking about Jesus, our intercessor. That is where we are going. But this is a journey. All we are saying is that there is a cause in heaven. And there are things going on on earth. Mortal men do influence what is going on in the court of heaven. As a matter of fact, fire, it looks like mortal men eventually will always have the final say, not God. Now, this is very deep. And I'm going to show you two aspects of God. That when it, a case is in the court of heaven, about a family, about an individual, if there is no intercessor, about a land, judgment falls. If there is an intercessor, judgment is held back. So in other words, it is not God who will determine what will happen finally. If there is no man, this will happen. If there is a man, this will not happen. So the factor there is man. When you understand, it will place responsibility on you to start praying. For your family. A saint in the family can sanctify the entire family. Are you following me? Now the Bible says, put me in remembrance. This is God talking. Let us pray together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. This is like a case in the court. God said, Put me in remembrance. Then he said, let us contend together. State your strong reason and you will be justified. In other words, if you can remind me of certain things, you are going to win the case. If you can remind me. Now, what did Moses do? You saw a bit of what he did. He said, the Lord, pardon according to the greatness of your mercy. He said, but you have said that you are merciful and compassionate. How did he get that? Exodus 34 verse 9. I want, show, I want to show you something there. Exodus 34 verse 9. You know, 
Or let's start from verse 6. Exodus 34, verse 6. When Moses said, show me your glory, and God said that, ah, that request is big. You can't see my face and leave. He said, the best I can give you is to see my back. And of course, theologians have said, when God said, see my back, in order, God was saying that, you cannot see what I'm about to do, my face, until you have first of all seen what I have done before. When did Moses write Genesis, Exodus? Moses was not there when Adam was created. Adam was written as one man in the garden. How did Moses know the details of what happened? Because the five books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are called five books of Moses. Moses wrote them. Those were the things that God was giving him when he was 40 days on the mountain with God. And they believed that when God said, you can't see my face, you see my back. You know, God said, you need to see what I've done in the past. As soon as Moses saw the back of God, then he saw Genesis 1-1 in the beginning. God created heaven and earth. So he began to journey and he understood what happened with Noah because he was not there. He was taken into the realm of the spirit. Now the gift of open vision can give you that where you can be taken, either word of wisdom or word of knowledge, back to what has happened. Now the difference between word of knowledge and word of wisdom, word of knowledge is it deals with what is uh, present or past. Word of wisdom deals with what is to come. They are both an aspect of prophecy, but they are not really under prophecy in the New Testament. But that's not today. Anyway, when somebody gives a word on the church, we say that it's prophesying. Prophecy only does three things. First Corinthians chapter 14, it edifies, speak, comfort, and exhortation. That's all. Whatever is more than that is another gift of praise, not prophecy. But let's stop there. That is not what we are looking at today. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. Now, God said to Moses that when I'm about to pass, there is a quote. I am going to split the rock and put you inside the rock and cover you. In other words, <laughs> Moses, you are asking for a technology that is yet to be invented. The only people that can see my face are those who are in Christ. For we all with open faces, beholding the face of God as in a mirror. And Christ is the solid rock. So God told Moses that all I can do is that I'm going to take a technology of the future and bring it back. To help you temporarily. But that technology can only let you see my back. There's no enough data for my face. So, probably there was no physical rock God put Moses inside. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, they drank from the rock that followed them, and that rock was Jesus Christ. So, in other words, God said to Moses, let me put you in Christ. Christ is here to die. Because he's here to die, you can't see my face. But in Christ, at least you see my back. But we all, <laughs> hallelujah, with open faces, we behold the glory of God. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. So, but as he put him in the rock, he told him the code that, look, you know, I said this on Wednesday, which I don't go back to. The, when, <laughs> when you wrongly approach electricity in your house, the same electricity producing your light, ironing your car, ironing your clothes, and uh, doing everything for you, can land you on the floor of your head. Have you explained that before? Uh-huh, you will not try it again. Not because it had anything against you. That didn't happen because it had anything against you. It happened because you wrongly approach. Our God is a consuming fire. But thank God that the New Testament is a different arrangement. But it's under the covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. So, God said to Moses that even you, 
when I'm going to show you even that back, there are things you have to say. So God introduced something to Moses. Say, God, God, merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in God. In the realm of the spirit, things are activated with words. When you say those words, they become a cloud of glory. They cover your nakedness so that I don't fall on you. So God told Moses that I demand that when I am passing, quickly say these words. They will become a garment that will temporarily cover you. You must say it loud that I am merciful. I am compassionate. I am long-suffering. I was slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, showing mercy to generations. He said, when you say that, then when I pass, nothing will happen to you. Verse 6, and the Lord passed by before him. So when the Lord was going to show Moses, he made this request in chapter 33. But in chapter 34, God granted the request. And then Moses said, the Lord, and the Lord passed by him and proclaimed. He started hearing the voice saying, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. Next verse. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. Moses, those words must come out when I am around. Now, Moses captured the code. And when God was angry in Numbers 10, Moses began to say that, remember, now, in intercession, in standing in the gap, you are not making God to do or to become who he's not. There are two sides. I think he's in. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. It is Jeremiah 9, 24. So that he said, let the mighty man not glory in his might. Let, let him that glory, glory in something that inweth me, that I exercise loving kindness, then judgment. But let him that glory, glory in this, that he understand and knowing me, that I am the Lord, which exercise, shout that word together. What's the first thing you should know about him? What's the next thing? Paul puts it this way. Romans 11, 22, he said, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. Two sides. So when he's angry, he is himself. When he's merciful, he is also himself. But what? <laughs> the person that shifts the two is a man that is involved. That means he has said, I am both a God of loving kindness. I'm also a God of judgment. Hebrews, uh, Romans 11, 22 says, I, have, I am good. I am also severe. That's why he is the lion. He is also the lamb. Can you see the contrasting nation? He is, he is the living water. He is also the consuming fire. So when a man begins to pray, if he shows mercy, he has not denied himself. He's still part of him. But a man must enforce that. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying? Oh, Rikis, there are things happening in the family that you as a Christian, you have power to stop, but you haven't stopped it. I told them the key of words, the intercession. And this is what I will go to in second service. It's not done verbally. It's not done, uh, say, prayer at levels. Some of these pleads, some of these pleadings, some of these uh, that Moses said to God, he never said them at the valley. He said them on the mountain when he was with God. The second one in Numbers 14, he said them when the glory of God appeared. There is what you call manifested presence of God. Some requests can be made by just word of my Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. When it comes to shifting things in the spirit, the anointing must be present. And that one, it takes time. You must understand the unction of the moments. 
I will explain some of these things as weeks go by. So I am saying that when it comes to changing the configuration of a family, a nation, it's not an agenda by a Father change Nigeria, rather than stop judgment, stop the killing. Thank you, Father. A step can be taken on a journey in the spirit that you are sent to the highest and from that highest level you can renegotiate the destiny of a state or a nation. At that time, you can negotiate and change something about the family and as soon as you open your eyes physically, the change has started. That is why we say we are going to climax this in Romans chapter 8. There is a dimension of prayer that most Christians don't know anything about. If you are not in the attitude of learning to tarry in God's presence, there are dimensions we never touch. Forty days, Moses did not even remember food. I'm not saying you go and lock up yourself somewhere for forty days, but too many people dash out of God's presence. Prayer is beyond. Father, as I go, keep us, keep us in Jesus' name. Keep mommy, keep daddy. Provide dollars and pounds in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I know that Fumi has looked at me two times in church today. Let her be. Let her say yes when I ask her. In, in His mercy <laughs> and His sovereignty, He can answer those prayers. But you have not entered prayer. Jesus only wanted to say one thing. If it be thy will, let this call pass. That one sentence made cheeks of blood, sweat like cheeks of blood to be coming out of his body. One sentence. You haven't seen prayer. One sentence. He did not stand by saying, Lord, let this call pass. The sweat was as thick as blood and he went on his face. How many times have you started praying and God knocks you down? And that you think you are praying for 15 minutes, you look at your time, 5 hours gone. Because at that moment, something arrests your flesh. You are not even conscious of time. It's a journey to the realm of the spirits. I will look at examples in the Bible. You see, somebody will be. You see, did you get what I've just said so far? This is just introduction. You see, the court is there because God is the judge. But the judge has two sides. In Genesis 18, when God came down with two angels, and Abraham gave him food and he ate. When you are fasting, don't go to people's house. All this they give you for you, they're like, now I'm fasting, I'm not eating. <laughs> Stay at home when you are fasting. When you go to people's house, eat. Because it's a command. Jesus said, whatever I said before you, He said, eat it. It's a command. The same command. Go into the world and preach the gospel. He sent them out and he said, go. He said, whatever is said before you, you must eat. Only pray that the food should be sweet. <laughs> are you? Are you? Are you? I'm not saying you should not fast at the table. I'm just, just, just understand. Are you with me? But that's in the Bible. He said, whatever is said before you, glory to God. And then, Abraham started saying that, Lord, you are going to destroy the righteous and the wicked. He called God the judge. He said, will the judge of the whole earth not do right? I don't know whether that's verse 22. He said, will the God of the whole earth not do right? Will the judge? And then in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says you have come to Manzan, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Verse 22 says that you have come to God, the judge of all. No, I don't know what, what verse in that Genesis 18 that says, will the judge of the whole earth not do right? Somewhere... If you look at it, you can project where you find the verse. But Hebrews 12, 
Pastor 23 says, with the judge of this, he say, you have come to God, the judge of all. He is a judge. So any case, I, oh, Brachisosula. Do you know that as I look at everybody and those who are watching me, how many cases are there in the courts of heaven unattended to right now? God, the judge of all, is judge. But the judge is both severe and merciful. Only that the judge is influenced by a man. He said that when I wanted to descend on that, I looked, I, I sought for a man. He said, I found none. Ah! He said, I, I don't like attacking. Because my first nature is loving kindness. He said, but the other side is revealed when there is no man. When there is no man. When there is no man. At the end of the day, give me that Genesis 18. That's why I want to end this service. At the end of the day, Abraham was the one that singularly rescued Lot. Lot did not even know what was going on. He was living disobedience, so the voice of God was far from him. But Abraham began this negotiation with God. Abraham saw the judge of the old last standing for and he started challenging God. He said, will you kill righteous and wicked together? The Bible says that present your strong reason. And what to present is not telling God to become who he is not. He is to show him who he has declared himself to be. He said, this be far from thee. This is Abraham talking. So slay the righteous with the wicked. And that righteous should be as the wicked. This should be far from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? This is Abraham talking to God. Next verse. And the Lord said, It's amazing that when God is approached this way, He's always responding to man. Did you see that in Moses? Now you are seeing Abraham. Abraham just started saying that. So you are going to Sodom and Gomorrah. What about it? There are some righteous men there. The ones who destroy the entire country. That is why I know that Nigeria will never be destroyed. There are more than 50 righteous men here. There are more than 1,000 righteous men in Nigeria. There are more than 10,000 righteous men in Nigeria. And when I... Maybe I will do a post on that. When I hear people... Recently I was in a place. Oh, Nigerian church is this. Everybody has missed it. If you have missed it, say you have missed it. Elijah syndrome is a demonic thing. Elijah went to God in prayer and said that they have killed all your prophets. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one. You know that I church in Nigeria, they think they are the only one serving God. When you have prayed very well, don't think others are not praying. Something is wrong with you. It's because you are fasting, you think others are not fasting. I, from university, you, you are university, but I started seeing some fellowship having that syndrome that they are the only ones. They look at the rest of you. So you are doing a concert. Ooh. Ooh. Ah, righteous people are cast. Ah, righteous people are cast. Oh, and then they come up with vision. And we saw a vision. People going to heaven. And as people lined up before God, they were hearing, depart, 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 depart. After one million, depart, one proceed. Then, now the thousand depart, then one proceed. Then others. All those things, they destroy faith in you. The Spirit of God never leads you through fear. Are you hearing me? When Jesus spoke about narrow is the way, lead them. That was before his death. After his death, he became the way. Are you hearing me? You see, I grew up, I am still a member of Scripture Union. I was raised by Scripture Union. When I was growing up, I noticed all those who embraced that kind of doctrine, many of them are not in the faith anymore. You are going to be conscious of do's and don'ts. You will live in fear, and when you live in fear, you will commit sin. 
And after a while, you condemn yourself because you can't get out of it. You cannot overcome sin by being careful. In that sense of, you overcome sin by understanding that the Son of God has given you victory. What is the answer to dominating the flesh? Walk in the Spirit. And you shall not... What people are trying to do is that they want to walk away from the flesh so that they can walk in the Spirit. No! You walk in the Spirit, you will not feel the loss of the flesh. In other words, fill your heart with the Word of God. It will take iniquity from you. It said, Thy word have I eaten in my heart that I might not sin against you. Is it even possible... The only way you can stop sinning is for the word of God to abide in you. So your priority should be how does the word abide in me? Not how to stop doing this. Go. Pray. Study. Listen to messages. Let it stay in you. The word will look dirty to you. It is the word that gives us energy to say no to lust. So, you know, you hear all those things. And the one they told us that time, the woman said she was sleeping. I saw a vision. Rapture happened. And everybody was going. I said the story before. I said I saw a woman. She was going. Then she started coming down again because she was wearing palmy. As a young boy, where I was, I began to laugh that. You mean, first of all, the angel did not know that she was wearing palmy. They were lifting her. When she now got close, ah, palmy, come back. <laughs> It's amazing what people say. When I was in 211, that was a guy came up that time and he said that he went to hell and he saw Pastor B, but God took, took him to hell. So I was in Bodukoya there. And he said, the angel that was taking her and told him that because she was wearing skirts, the mini skirts. I said, number one, Pastor B, but interestingly, before she died, I was in her house two times. She prayed for me two times. And the way she died, she spoke to me. I was having a Kaduna NPC then. She was going to come to NCC. I wanted to bring her to NCC and Kaduna. Singwandeli. And she called me. I called her. I called Dr. Panapasipo. We're trying to arrange the day the two of us can come to the orientation camp together. Then she departed. And I said, I know this woman. She was in IBC or UI. Her sketch was always beyond her news. Her sketch used to touch ground. It was a policy. I said, so that angel in that lie or made a mistake. That now took you to hell and told only for them to find out. And people were buying that book in UI. And fear started. Who can be saved though? Ah, it looks like on that day we are in for a shock. None of us will be. When you think like that, you will go to hell. You are setting up yourself for destruction. You will not be able to please God. But you will live in fear. Because forever you will think there is something in your life that God will still use against you. So the picture of God you are going to find, you will have always that. It's somewhere that when you start going that day, will look, look, look. Ah, that thing. Oh, I say, oh, they want to say <laughs> because of this thing. That's so. <laughs> Only for them to discover that the guy that was writing that book was not even a Christian of another religion. He saw how gullible Christians were. He went to some water to create a publishing house and he printed the book about a vision and people were buying. Buying. At a particular church, there are annual gathering somewhere. All of them were almost made to buy. They were buying the book. Buying, and the guy was going, laughing to bank with money. He wrote out a letter, a letter of apology. He was not a Christian. Never a Christian. And I was only with all those who bought those books. When I was going up, I read many books about all of them were second in command to Satan. And I said, who exactly is the second in command? Because, see, let me stop here. Let me tell you the problem of many people. Because you have never seen the vision before. 
you get fascinated. You something when somebody starts telling you visions, it thrills you. If the Lord doesn't want to lead you by vision, leave vision alone. Stay with the word of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, not as many as are led by let me tell you the truth. Ask any man, any most of the greatest things. Most of the great things, sorry, most of the great things that have come to the broad body of Christ, most of the great that have come to the body of Christ have not come through vision. They've come through God revealing something in the Bible to somebody. That's the truth. You will do well to wake up and take your morning devotion serious. The Lord will guide you through the time you spend with Him praying. And don't look for what is not. If you do, angel of light can appear to you and start deceiving you. Angel of light is not angel of God. It's a demonic angel. But it resembles the angel of God a lot. Paul spoke about it. And it will lead people astray. And it has happened many times. It will tell you what you cannot find in the Bible. Any message you listen to and at the end it is fear, not faith. It's not of God. For without faith it's impossible to place God. Yes. God calls people to repentance. Even the most terrible of all seven churches, when Jesus finished, said that, I'm still telling you, you can still repent. It leaves a window of hope. Because the Son of God has come to rescue like not to destroy. Does he judge? Emphatically, yes, he does. I'm not into hypergrace and all those nonsense. Or everyone saying that God cannot judge, God cannot, God cannot. They don't know God. And then they start dribbling scriptures. Okay, and I say, not God, but then they are getting stupidity. It's a God of love. It's also a God of judgment. If you focus on one, you are already in deception. Oh God, God is good. I can do anything I like. You are. I feel sorry for you. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is very important. Most likely, if along the line of your life, you are not into prophetic office, you might not see visions. Learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit and learn to follow the Word. Those two things will take you to the highest level of your Christianity. The Word. When Satan, the Godfather, the number one dark man on earth, as a man of darkness, man of evil, when they appeared to Jesus, Jesus did not use power. He just used just one thing. It is written. It shows that the highest form of God's power is it is written. And there's no demonic attack that you face that it is written cannot fix. Because when the master of them all appears to Jesus, he only used it is written. This is why you cannot be reading your Bible and be listening to news at the same time. You are studying the Bible, you are checking Facebook. Bible on one side, you are checking Facebook. Don't insult the word of God. Some people are listening to me now. You have checked your phone how many times, even in church. See, this is why you are broke. There is a scripture in First Samuel that says, Our God is a God of knowledge. By Him, actions are weighed. I am conscious of the fact that God is watching me. My actions matter. So, everybody is praying, you are checking your phone. During worship, you are checking your phone. Before whose presence do you think you are? You go to some other presidential government, they tell you something to your phone outside before you enter, and you do. Then you go before God, you are checking your phone. Just one hour, 30 minutes, time, you check your phone three times. And then later you are praying, oh God, prosper me. Your angel is about to give you a knock on your head. Your own angel. That angel just wants to look at this idiot. <laughs> now, 
Did you just finish insulting us? Now you are praying. No, don't do those things. Don't do those kind of things. Don't do those things. Put your phone on silent and keep it somewhere. When it's time to wash it, wash it. Even if you are praying in your house, switch off your phone. Don't be distracted. Have you heard me? Ah, I have to stop. But there is. <laughs> I just showed you what Moses did. But where I want to start second service from, as soon as you walk out of this auditorium, on your, on your way home, whenever you, are, you would have gotten over by the time I'm preaching second service, please watch second service. I now want to start the real deal of this message. And I'm going to start from Jeremiah 15.1. Let's just read as a kind of, uh, what do they call it? Caesar. <laughs> Jeremiah 1. You saw that Moses held God in judgment. But this is a serious matter. Another level of iniquity happened. And this time, God said that not even Moses. Can you imagine? The Lord said, Thus said the Lord to me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not. Ah, yeah. So, did you just see all we'll be reading? Was Moses stopping the judgment of God? Now, God is saying that this particular level of judgment, not even Moses plus Samuel. What happens in this regard? I'm going to show you. I saw for a man. Bible didn't say for men. A man. Who is that man? Let's rise. Is all blessed this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. If you are a believer in your family, you are the prophet there. Don't take them to go and look for a prophet while you are the prophet. For your sake. Good things can be happening in that family. Have you seen how people have brought demonic stuff into families? Somebody goes diabolical and those demons begin to oppress everybody in the family. And demons like doing that. Once somebody brings them in, they start terrorizing every other person until somebody checks them out. Influence of life can be like that also. But it's a matter of how deep you are. I told you, some of you, the data you operate can only cause you to check WhatsApp message. You can't download anything. It's not strong enough. It's also a matter of the kind of data or the kind of, uh, uh, what they call it, uh, service provider use. Secondly, it also, even under that service provider, it depends on distance. There is one we use in church now. It's connected to my phone. If I take too many steps away from church, I will lose the signal. I will have to be forced to be using my glue or whatever. I have my own. But when I'm in the church, the one in church automatically switches my phone, gets into that. But if I walk away, so sometimes when I'm very far from this auditorium, I'm far, far, far at the back, the signal is very low. Spiritual things are like that also. Stay where the signal is very strong. At the end of that, I'm going to tell you the importance of praying with other Christians. I told you last week, we do prayer meeting on Saturday morning. Either they are praying, you are not there. The only thing you want to do is to attend Sunday service. Make it a continue. Okay, continue. When this service, I've told you if you are walking and you are not chance, there's no way to make your way. God understands. God sees everything. But if it's a matter, you have just made up your mind. That just show up on Sunday. Even if you are free from money tonight or Wednesday, you are not coming to church. How long will you do that for? When others are praying, you are there at home, sleeping. Ah, men and brethren, ask men in the dark world. This world is dark. It takes power to rule over life. It takes power to rule over life. 
Never be a weak Christian. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploit. They that don't know their God shall be weak and be exploited. I don't know how not to pray. That's why people are very bold. You are living life and you are not praying. How do, how do you do it? I have dealt with enough demons to have common sense. To know that I must not leave myself open. No matter people praying in the church, I join them to pray. Like I told them Wednesday, the tanker that is carrying fuel must have fuel in his own tank. It's conventional wisdom. That your tank carrying fuel does not, if you don't have fuel, the car will stop. Even though there is fuel for everybody. Are you getting what I'm saying? Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Luke 18 2. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. That is what Christianity has to correct. In most churches, women pray more. But the Bible puts emphasis on men. 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 <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We worship you. All glory to your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We receive your word, Lord, and we walk in the truth of it. In Jesus' name. It's all blessed this morning. Hello, thank you for watching us. We don't want this to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You know, um, after listening to God's word like this, and you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it's an opportunity to come to him. And it's a simple process because he has made all things available. I want to implore you now to give your heart to Christ. And by saying these words, because giving your heart to Christ must be done consciously. He has paid the price. Say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. I believe that you shed your blood for my justification. I accept your finished work right now, and I confess that you are the Lord of my life. I believe in you. Thank you, Jesus. If you have said those words, you are actually born again, a new creation in Christ. Join us for more of this. God bless you.